Welcome to Positive Talk Radio. We're glad you're here. I'm Kevin McDonald, your host for this grand adventure, and I thank you for joining us. You see, our mission is to create a positive personal connection to all things with courage and love. We invite terrific guests, interesting topics, and great conversation, all in a fun, entertaining way. And we always manage to learn something, too. So I hope you will stay right where you are for this episode of Positive Talk Radio. And welcome, everybody, to Positive Talk Radio. It is Wednesday afternoon, and uh, I've got a great show for you today, and I hope that you're going to stay with us the entire time. Uh, Eric um, um, Ryder is with us, as always, on Wednesday. Mr. Eric, how are you? Hey, good afternoon, and happy holidays, Kevin. Happy holidays to you. You know, yesterday was my favorite day of the entire year. Oh, why was that? <laughs> it's the winter solstice, which means that from every day now until June, the days get longer and we have more sunshine and or rain. Or, but at least we daylight have anyway. Rain. Yeah, daylight. <laughs> Ex- exactly. Well, I hope you're well, right. and I hope that uh, you're planning on having an awesome Christmas. I am, and hopefully you are as well. Uh, awesome. Always, always, always. Um, I got, got a question to ask you, sir. Sure. You're an intelligent guy, and you're a guy that I, I think is, is very smart. Have you ever thought about writing a book? I, I have. Have you written one yet? I haven't, <laughs> but I've thought about it. <laughs> like most people, that thought has entered my mind, sure. Me too. And what ends up happening is I, I'll, I'll, I'll sit in front of my computer or I'll sit in front of a, a pen and paper and I'll go and, and, uh, uh, and then I'll put the pen and paper away and then I'll go do something else because I get lost. Um, now, if you were to write a book, how long do you think it'd take you? Oh, I mean, who knows? You know, if you really got on a roll, it could take you maybe three, four months. But uh, if, you know, if you're like me and you're easily distracted or procrastinate like you just described, then yeah, it could be years. Exactly. What if I were to tell you that there's a human being on this planet who is uh, 14 years old and has written 12 books? I'd say that's awesome. <laughs> well, <laughs> I, then that's the case. When I heard about this young lady, and uh, her name is Shanti Henderson. No, Hershenson. Hershenson, that's right. Uh, Shanti Hershenson, and she is an author. She has written, well, I'm going to ask her because it keeps changing. I interviewed her uh, last month, and she had one number. Now she's got another number, and a couple. She just released two in the same month, like in within two weeks of each other. And, uh, and we're not talking about uh, children's books. We're not talking about, um, you know, novelettes. We're not talking about she's written a couple of books that are close to, well, I'll ask her, but I'm sure I think they're, they're certainly well over 200 pages. And, and she's got a, um, she's got a trilogy she's worked on and she's done some amazing things. And she's a terrific interview and a, and a, and a really nice young lady. So with that, I'm going to introduce Shanti Hershenson. How are you today, young lady? I'm great. How are you? I'm great too. Thank you very much. And so what is the current number of books that you have published? 
So um, for how many books I've had, I have published, it is nine books. Um, but for how many I have written, it is 14. And over half of those are novels. The others are very close to being novels, but because they fall kind of close to the middle grade category almost, they're a little shorter. So I like to call them um, novellas, but they're young adult novellas. And uh, another poetry book. Well, actually, I have two poetry books, but this is old news. This one is not. And there's a, you have a brand new one out that uh, is called I Know Her Name. And that one is, uh, and that one was just released. And it's a, it's a poetry book. And I, I want to kind of save that one for a couple of minutes because we're going to talk about the content of that book because I think that that is an extraordinarily important thing for every middle schooler in the country to go for mom and dad it's christmas time get that book because it will help them get through some stuff that goes on in middle school it's been a few years since i was in middle school sadly and so uh, things are different today than they were you know back in the um, 60s um, that'd be 1960s, by the way, uh, <laughs> not the 1860s. But uh, but so Shanti, um, you've written, you've got nine books po published, and they're on Amazon, um, and people can pick them up. I'm I'm staring at your webpage right now. It is gorgeous, your webpage. Thank you. Did you do that yourself, or did you I have did. it done? You did this yourself? Yeah. I gotta hire you. <laughs> you're you're multi-talented. Yeah, I love um, designing websites. That's something I used to really like to do. So it kind of, I kind of, I don't make as many websites as I used to, but that kind of hobby of mine really passed on to um, writing. It really helped me be able to create um, that website. And it's also helped me. I've done a few of the book covers myself too. And I think that has helped me be able to do that. The artistry of them? Um, yeah, I've done, I did the I Know Her Name cover. I did the ruination of Zal's Lane and the original you on her name cover, which I don't have with me, but it looks a little similar to this one, just with the text like kind of going down. I also did that one myself. What is there that you cannot do? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Seems like everything, because ladies and gentlemen, and by the way, when we're talking, uh, she's 14 years old, she turned 14 like in October. Yeah. <laughs> So she's 13 and 14 months. So, you know, she, she's only been 14 for a couple of months. So she's, she is incredibly talented at doing this. And if you read her writing, it is not indicative of what a 14-year-old normally writes. It's, it just isn't. She's got uh, science fiction books. She's got uh, post-apocalyptic -apoc books. Um, and, uh, it's, it's really, and she's got a trilogy that she's working on. I guarantee you this young lady is going to have a movie uh, come knocking at her door and they're, and they're going to make a movie out of one of her books or more or one of the trilogies and that kind of thing. What got you interested in writing and how old were you? Oh, I was, hmm. The first actual memory I have of me writing and like actually writing like a book. Well, it was not really a book. It was this children's book that I took all the papers I could find um, in my classroom. And I drew these illustrations with these words in them. And I called it the cat and the love because at the time those were the only words I could spell. And that was at the beginning of first grade. I was probably about, I was, ooh, I was five or six then. I think I just turned six. And 
this story I made. And I rewrote it a few times over the years up until about um, second or third grade, maybe where I just kind of stopped and I put that one aside and I just started making a lot of stories with cats. And actually they all had cats in them. I couldn't really write easily about humans. I don't know why, or I like to write maybe superheroes. And aliens actually were something that around the time of fourth grade, I started to write a lot. And all of those stories kind of brought me to where I am now. Which is, you're just the beginning of a, I think a huge career. Um, are you, are you looking forward to that? Is, is, do you want to grow up and be a writer? A hundred percent. I have, you know, we, I, we've interviewed you before and you can go to positive talk radio, the podcast, and you can listen to that interview. One of the things that we talked about during that interview was that uh, when you sit down to write, how many words an hour can you do? Um, 1,000 to 2,000. Yeah. <laughs> oh, it's gone up. Yeah. Uh, I, I thought 1000 was a lot and it is, uh, but you can write if you're in the mood for it and, and feeling good about it, you can write up to 2000 words in a minute or in an hour. Um, yeah, I, that was mainly with, um, this book, the accidental insurgent, where I would write 2000 words per hour and I would write for two hours, like one hour more at the beginning of the day and one and at one hour at night. And I wrote 4,000 words a day and I wrote this entire book. This is a 350 page novel. I wrote it in 16 days. It took me about five days to go through and proofread. And then it kind of sat dormant because when you write a book in that short span, in that like short amount of time, it's very hard to figure out what you want to change because you don't have enough time to think about it. So I ended up having to um, leave this one for a few months and kind of just think about the characters and what I wanted to change. And there wasn't much, it's kind of, it was just kind of this short snapshot of time for these characters that I was writing about. And in that time, I wrote a bunch more novels, but um, ultimately I think the only reason I was able to complete it that quickly was because of um, 2000 words in the morning and 2000 words at night. And sometimes it was more, sometimes I would write 3000 words in the morning and then 2000 at night or 2000 in the morning or 3000 at night. and it really took off. And I still think 2000 is the most I can do in an hour for sure. <laughs> well, I, I don't, I, I didn't Now, Do you use a computer when you write or do you use a, so, so you can type well, obviously. Yeah, I can type pretty quickly though. There are times when my fingers will slip and I'll have to go back and change it. Cause I don't, for some reason, whenever I see an error, I don't just leave it on the page. I will go and correct it. And a lot of my drafts do come out pretty clean because of that. And I do really like it because it means I don't have to go through and look at every single word when I'm editing. I don't have to change all of these sentence things because I'll catch it really early on, but I won't go back and do full edits of any of my chapters until after. Now, do you edit yourself or do you send it to somebody and have them do it? So what I usually do is I start out, um, I write a book and then I don't touch it for a few months and I'll go write a, other ones and I'll come back to that book to do my editing and I'll then um, show it to my writing coach and she'll help me um, edit it and kind of figure out like the little plot holes and just the proofreading and stuff. Because in every single book and every single draft of mine, there is going to be a grammatical error somewhere, usually maybe a few every now and then. Though There's often a lot. Some of my books, there's more than other ones. It depends on how quickly I think I wrote it. And in every book, there's always going to be the one plot hole or one thing that doesn't make sense that it's important to have someone else um, to read it because I can't like notice them and I won't. And it's very difficult plot holes because, um, but yeah, another set of eyes and that like 
really helps because mainly in the Zyl books, there's a couple. Yep. Now, if you do me a favor, because I want to make sure that this is uh, um, the mm -hmm. recording is really good. Watch uh, your hand around the, the microphone and stuff. Oh, yeah. Because we can we can we can hear that and and stuff. But I wanted to give people a idea of the quality of work that you do, and one of the things that you do. Uh, tell us about the uh, nights out at the um, um, at the at the mic. Um, so I go out and I perform at open mic nights. I was I used to do one per month, though now it's a little hard to find open mic nights because. Um, a lot of them, maybe they're for adults or they don't allow kids, but the same thing, or they're too far away. But I used to do um, them online. And what I would do is I would go and I would perform a poem. And each time I would have a new poem to do, though at some open mic nights where it was a completely different audience, I would perform the same ones. And I almost always write spoken word poetry about the same topic, and that is bullying. And I will write, like, just, I would just sit down, I would just, like, write a spoken word poem. And I usually don't read them out loud until I actually decide I want to perform them. And by the time I decide I want to perform them, I don't even know if it's going to work. So it's usually kind of stressful. Or I'll sign up for an open mic night and I won't have a poem to do. And I'll write one really quickly, which I think I have actually gotten some really good poems out of that one. <laughs> Where do they come from? Uh, it, 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 your imagination has got to be an amazing thing to look yeah. at your brain. I think all my poems really come from bullying and pain and things that I'm upset about and things that I've felt. And I think that is really what poetry is. It's a way to express your feelings. Like, I don't think I could have written this book, You Want to Her Name, which is my, one of my poetry books. I don't think I could have written it in any other format besides poetry, because poetry is ultimately even a better way than just straight up writing to express how I feel. Now, <sighs> You know, a lot of people I know write poetry, and, and the one thing is that it's supposed to all rhyme and stuff. Are, are you able to just do that off the cuff, or do you have to s study it and, and sweat over it and, and truly try and make it right, or does it just flow? I think often it flows. A lot of my poems actually don't rhyme, especially um, in You Don't Know Her Name. I don't think any of the poems, like, rhyme. They're more in, like, verse. Um, in I Know Her Name, you will find a couple rhyming poems, but actually it's more, if you can read it out loud and it fits and it like flows with it, then that's like poetry. Perfect, perfect. Would you like to perform the, the, the poem we picked out? Uh, yes. So this is a poem called Silence and it's something I wrote middle of, in the summer, probably I think summer before eighth grade. And this was for an open mic night. And this is kind of, this is actually right in the middle of, um, I know her name, so. Without further ado, after almost a year of quiet of protection, I have only one question. What does silence do in a world where we were born to speak? Silence feels like a whisper telling me to hush. Silence is the garden I fear I'm the prisoner. Silence is a murder of democracy and freedom. I'm told to be silent that I don't have a voice, but I'm talking right now, aren't I? I hear things that have happened in places that are labeled safe and friends turn on each other, burning hatred throughout a school that is slowly falling apart. Because even though we are taught to speak up, we're told to stay silent and stop spreading gossip. I think this community has finally lost it. 
because now we're all drowning in an endless sea, a sea called silence. And I refuse to let the dire struggles of today be silenced and sent away in return for a hopeless tomorrow. But when I want to speak up and make word of a problem, I'm told, sit down, child, it's not of your concern. But I don't understand what is so poisonous about my words. Or has silence been the poison all along? Because my words feel powerful and driven, and they seem hidden in plain sight. Staying silent never did anything. Why then, for my voice, must I fight? And despite its connection to a story that isn't real, it's bound to me in how I feel, because I know I have a voice, and that silence is a useless choice, because it does nothing in a world where each individual was born to share their mind. And I wrote that about my school. And what's the name of that poem again? Silence. Silence. And uh, that is Shanti. And she is the, the author of that, and she's a poet, and she's also a novel writer and also an historical uh, novel writer. Um, let's talk about the latest book that you have out, which is uh, I Know Her Name. And um, what you do, we talked about the last time was you don't use any names in it, um, but you have a real point behind the book and and it's part of it is uh almost autobiographical isn't it mm -hmm. so i know her name is this is a companion um poetry collection to you Know her name and you Know her name is my most successful book it's my most popular book and it is a novel told in poetry that follows this girl and not and it she gets bullied and a lot of really horrifying like disturbing stuff happens to her at her new school and every single thing that happened to those characters happened to me and my sister and that's where I know her name comes in it is a collection of poetry that's real that I wrote these poems with no indication that they were going to be put in a poetry collection I had no idea that I was going to do this I just wrote them as a way to kind of express my pain and how angry I was and how upset I was and how like, disturbed I was and eventually I was just like I couldn't handle having all of these poems. There's probably about 50, 60 poems. A lot of them span multiple pages. And at some point I just couldn't keep them all in. I couldn't keep them in my Google Docs and my notes and just have them keep bothering me and like having the need to write more of them. So I just, I combined them all and I wrote this book and I added a few more poems in after that were just little things on how I felt and just poems that just were how I feel. And you'll find a lot of them are maybe reference a girl with no name or a book that we're, we don't talk about because um, at least with my friends, we joke that we don't talk about you or her name because everyone's scared of getting in trouble over this book. But um, so there are a lot of poems that just like reference you or her name and reference like little things that maybe people won't get unless they read this book or they won't get unless they know me personally. So how can somebody get in trouble by reading your book or by referencing your book? I don't know. It's always people worry that, okay, there's this book and a lot of people know that there is a book and it's on Amazon and it's about my school and it's not a positive book about my school. And I think a lot, at least I worry sometimes I'm going to get in trouble for this book. I shouldn't have write this. This is, I should have written this. This is going to like, this is going to cause like nothing good. And well, nothing has happened. This has been um, an amazing thing for me. It's opened so many new things. And I think everyone at some point is scared of um, like, I was gonna say scared of silence, but that's kind of the opposite. Like, I think, I don't know. Everyone is scared of getting in trouble for um, speaking up. That's what I meant to say. Yes, yes. Well, no, I, I, I get it because, uh, but there is something called the first amendment. 
and you're entitled to be able to say whatever that you want and uh as long as it doesn't you know you don't cry out fire in a theater or something like that but a lot of these things happen to you now i want to mention this because you have a twin sister yes i do and uh so the two of you are able to have your back if it as it were when you're at school right yeah um we kind of stood up we stand up for each other i remember when the main, because I don't want to spoil it because it's a spoiler for you on her name. When the main incident for you on her name happened, pretty much all my friends ended up just kind of shying away from helping me. And they were all kind they were all afraid. And my sister was the one person that wasn't. And she ended up going and there were friends of the bully who were saying things and saying it never happened and causing all of these problems. And my sister went and confronted them about it. And I've I because she had all this horrible stuff happen to her too and she was still brave enough to do that and that that's what I what I wanted to point out was that um because of because of your twin sister and because of you guys have had the same experiences but because of your bond because you're twins you have each other's back can you imagine what it's like when you're a girl and you're all alone and that happens to you it, I don't know what I would have done without her and what I would have done if I was alone. I don't know what she would have done if she was alone. It's like we kind of needed each other to get through this. And, you know, we're still trying to get it past it. We're still trying. We're still, you know, looking for justice. We're still kind of in this situation where there's this person and they're causing us problems. Well, not really my sister anymore. She doesn't. She and I don't go to the same school anymore. But it's like, I think if I were alone, and all this stuff happened to me. And if there was no sister or it was a sister and there was no girl and you want her name, it could have been either a lot worse or a lot more devastating. Well, I'm, I'm glad that you have her. And yeah. I, I, and uh, they're, because this is audio, they can't see the smile on your face when I mention her. And uh, so it's, it's, it's really, really is cool that you've got somebody so close that can have your back. And, and stuff. And I want to uh, return to talking about I know her name in a little bit because I want to talk to you extensively about bullying and what what uh, parents can do for their kids to help them, one of which would be to get this book because what happens to you and what happens to a lot of kids, it's pretty much universal that it, that it happens to a lot of a lot of kids in, in middle school and, and in the, even through high school and all that kind of stuff. But I have to ask you, because people are going to be wondering, what do your dad and mom think? <laughs> they're really proud of me, and they're the best parents ever, especially. Um, they're really supportive, and they're just, they're amazing about this, and they support me. They'll lend me money if I need cover designs. They'll um, read my books, so they can't read them until they're published. And actually... Well, I sometimes let them read up to cliffhangers and then kind of end their little free trial of the book. But I've kind of, I've started to shy away from doing that. And I've actually, I've ordered proof copies of all the books that I haven't um, published yet. So they will be actually receiving those and then they can read those. But they're mostly unedited proofs in second drafts and third drafts. But I actually got them in paperback copies um, just for that reason to kind of give them, you know. Where did you get the the, uh, confidence and the, um, um, for lack of a better term, the stick to of being able to do a, a book and then edit it and then a second draft and a third draft, uh, that takes a lot of patience to be able to do. I never expected originally for, for me to get to where I was today. I started, I know I said this in my last interview, but I started um, 
I started out writing Biomlock, which is my first like real actual novel. And I started writing it with the mindset that it would be this short story, maybe 10,000, 20,000 words. And maybe I would publish it or I would send it to a publisher or I would do something with it. And it got out of control. It went from 20,000 words to 30,000 to 40,000 to 100,000 to 200, almost, I think it was like 242,000 words of the final version of it. And that's over 800 pages. <laughs> When do you have time to do all of that? Um, mostly now. That was right in the middle of the pandemic. So I had all day, every day to write. I could do just whatever. I had like nothing else to do. I was really upset. And I had just started, you know, writing that. And of course, school then started and that was on Zoom. And I was writing mainly after school. And I would go um, to the park and I would write every day. And at first I wasn't even, I have to admit, I wasn't even writing a thousand words. I was just writing when I felt like it at the park. And I discovered one day that it only actually type out a thousand words. It only takes 30 minutes. Though, of course, thinking and um, actually planning what you're going to write will take a little longer. And once I realized that, that it does not take that long to write a thousand words, I was writing and I was writing and I wrote a thousand words every day. I found sometimes I could do 2000 words. And I kind of came up with this writing schedule where I'd write after school and on weekends, I would do 2000 words and I would try some days to do more. So one weekend I, for Biomlock, I ended up doing 5000 words. And um, with all that information, Biomlock took off and it became this 800 page novel that was just insane. And I couldn't believe it. I was in shock. And I have to admit, once you write that much, it doesn't feel like it doesn't feel like a lot. It still feels like a little and I never truly understood how big it was until I got it printed. And this is it. <laughs> uh, just to give you an idea, ladies and gentlemen, that book is uh, probably three inches thick um, and 800 pages. How, if, how many, uh, in a typical novel of like 300 pages, just to put it into context, how many words is that generally? Generally, typical novels range anywhere from 50,000, which is a little short. I like writing like 50,000 word YA novels, actually, because that's very good for um, readers with an attention span that like they can't sit and read this many pages without it being really daunting. Um, so the average novel maybe is around 250, 300 pages is around 50,000, 60,000 words. I do think a lot more novels um, fall closer to 100,000 words, which I have a few that are like that and 100,000 words. Um, anywhere in that section is very long, though usually I, I think that's kind of the average. It depends because it's like on the, it depends on the text size too. Like my Xyle books, they're about 100 pages and they would be a lot longer if the text size wasn't so small. But I originally published those without knowing I could make the text size a little more readable for my target audience. And so now they're all kind of little tiny books. But I think The Axel Insurgent is a pretty good example of like the average novel. Now that one, that one, how many pages is that one? 350 pages exactly. 350? And it is almost 70,000 words. Oh, wow. How long did that take you? 16 days. Oh, jeez. <laughs> now, when you're writing, is it like there's a movie playing in your head and you're just taking down dictation of what's happening in the movie that's playing in your head? Uh, on the good days, yes. Um, especially... For the Axel Insurgent, I got extremely lucky. Every day was a good day. Every day, it was like a movie playing in my head where the characters were making their own choices and the characters were writing the story. It wasn't me. And I think that's part of what that's like kind of what makes this book so good is I had no idea what was going to happen until I started writing it. 
and it makes the story a lot more like unpredictable and it makes it all seem realer because like we don't know what's going to happen tomorrow and just like these characters we don't and I didn't either (laughs) but um often it'll be like I'll have this little idea in my head for what I want to write and some days especially with the book I'm writing right now because I actually know what's happening next in this book because it was it's a a origin story for um the villain in the Zion's Lane series and I know what's going to happen next it's harder to write because it's like the characters aren't making their own decisions I am because I made the decision of what was going to happen in the third Zion book and it's a lot easier when I don't know what's going to happen and it feels more real to me when the characters are kind of kind of are making their own decisions and it's more like I don't know what's going to happen until I'm about to write it and that's part of what like made Yeah, So Insurgent so easy to write. And that's what's also making my new novel so easy, so difficult to write. I'm also almost done with that new one too. So that's number 14. So just to make sure that everybody's clear, when you sit down to write, it, you don't know what you're gonna write until you sit down to write it. And then it just kind of plays out and kind of writes itself. Exactly, yeah. I used to um, tell my parents like, this novel's writing itself. And um, unfortunately, I don't think I can say that for my new book, but I do think um, Biomlock kind of had that vibe to it, except I did um, write down significantly a lot of things I wanted to happen. Uh, the Zyles Elaine series really was like writing itself where there was this giant plot twist that in order to um, kind of untie, I created this whole magic system and I created this whole like fantasy setting as opposed to horror. And that actually paved the way for my new book. And my new book is very fun to write. It is just that it's hard because I already know everything that's going to happen. And I've been finding ways to add new things that like weren't spoken of in the third Zyle book where the origin story is kind of revealed. And that's been helping a lot. But when I actually have to write a scene that I've already, like a character's already mentioned previously is more difficult than it should be. Well, you know, I, I, I don't know from your reference point, it can be difficult, but you are, you are, has, has anybody ever called you a prodigy? Um, a few times. Yeah. Be, because I, I, the other day I was interviewing and I do a lot of interviewing a, a, an author and she's got two books out and she's in her forties. And I said, what if I told you that there was a young lady that I know who can write 2,000 or a thousand, I said a thousand words a minute, didn't know it was two, uh, can write a thousand words an hour, excuse me, and uh, and she can put together a book, uh, a 300 page novel in 15 days. And she was like, oh, you are kidding me. I didn't, I didn't how does that happen? That, that somebody can be that uh, focused and that talented. And I'm telling you, uh, in the books, in the, in the por- portions of the books that I've read from you, they're not coming out of a 14 year old. Uh, they, the, the words are, there are words that you use that I'm not even sure I know the meaning of. Uh, and you just, you just, it, how, how long have you had this, uh, um, um, this relationship for lack of a better term with words? Honestly, a while, but I think if you look at my writing from two, three years ago, it isn't as special as you'd think. It's more the stories uh, themselves, they have, you know, they have potential, but it's also like the sentences are shorter. And I think especially when I started writing Biomlock, I kind of had to teach myself how to like love words more and how to create my own, the, my, the sentences the way I wanted to create them as opposed to how we're taught in school. And like, I originally kept them really short and these like short little strings of sentences 
because that's what I was taught to do, write the most sentences. And I had to kind of ditch that. And that's what really, I think, made my writing better and stronger and made it flow more is there aren't all these really short sentences, but in some books, especially, it really varies on the book. The sentences are longer and more poetic. And in some books too, the sentences are shorter. And actually in this book, it's more vague and more like something's always happening. And that's like what it is. And it's not like spending so much time on descriptions as opposed to these actions that are going on. And I think like, yeah. <laughs> that's, that's really cool. Now you're self-published, is that right? Yeah. And have you sent your work to a publisher and is anybody interested in talking to you? I have not yet. I've had like publishing companies call me before, but I haven't like really replied or I've had some like m most of them are scams. Most of them, are, most of them are like, okay, you can pay us this, this amount of money and we'll publish your book. And I'm not going to do that. It's like right now, what I think is I'm going to wait until I have written all the books that I can like that I want to. And I'm going to like build it on my own. I'm starting to do book signings too. And at some point, probably around when I'm 16 and I have this giant body of work and this giant portfolio, I'm going to approach a publisher with one of my work and they'll look and they'll see that I've already done a lot of stuff and it'll make the whole process a lot easier. You know what you're going to find is mm -hmm. uh, you're not going to need them because, because your work is at, at your age in a couple of years will be expanded and there will be a lot more of it and there'll be a lot of the stuff you've already written will be in more and more people's hands and you're going to conquer it by word of mouth yeah that's that's what i think because a publisher can only do so much for you unless you get to the point where they they want to throw a bucket full of money at you mm -hmm. in order for you to write something for them uh which it could happen too yeah it's like i think a publisher they're, they're good for a lot of things, but also as a 14 year old, it's a lot easier to self-publish. And I don't, I won't have someone telling me what I can and cannot write. And I won't have someone telling me like, no, you can't write this many books or you can't like have your characters do this or that, or you have to do this. And it's like, from a sellable standpoint, sure. There are some things that could make my novels a lot better. There are some changes I could have made, but it's also like, I don't want to completely change uh, my books to fit someone else's like standard, because in a lot of ways, these books are my outlets. And um, I write them the way I want them. And I'm like, totally open to feedback and stuff. But like, I don't want a publisher telling me like to change the story. Because ultimately, I think it should rely more on how the author feels, especially another thing I'm very picky about is the cover design, because a lot of publishers don't let the authors have much of a say in their book covers. And those are something that are just really important to me as you can tell I have some very beautiful book covers and like I don't want a publisher to create like a cover without me at least having a little input on it because you know these are still my books like they own the rights to it but it's still ultimately my story now do you, as you get older is your um writing style and what you're writing about is it changing to some degree definitely my writing style has changed, like compared to Biomlock and my new book. Actually, those are kind of similar. I'm starting to kind of fall into the habit of using longer sentences, but it's also the writing's a lot better, more beautiful. Even if you look at the Axel Insurgent in Biomlock, the Axel Insurgent, the writing styles are less is less poetic and more this character talking. And it might even feel rushed, but that's actually just because the characters are always in a hurry. They don't have unlimited time to go and stop and describe these details. The story is always moving, always something is happening. And every time there's a giant cliffhanger, the chapter ends. And that is actually a style that I've grown accustomed to. 
and like Zyle is a 10 year old speaking, but it's also like you can tell this like is a 10 year old who's burdened and has responsibilities and is well burdened because he's a ghost or the main one of the main characters. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, that's that's cool that you your imagination works so well that you're able to do all sorts of things but you're also a 14 year old so some of the things that you and do enjoy doing are skateboarding and what is beyblading um so beyblades are spinning tops and you battle them and i actually i go to i've gone to tournaments for them a ton um with an excellent community of people and you basically you build a spinning top and um, you have this launcher, and I wish I had them in this room, but I don't. And you like kind of pull this little cord and it like spins them and you spin them in an arena and whoever's the last one standing or um, like knocks one out of the circle or in some they can even explode, um, wins. <laughs> and it's the community of people that do it are like range from, I don't know, four years old to like 40. It's a really cool community. And it's something that I've been doing since fourth grade. So I've been doing it for four years now. and it's I've written a little bit about them there's elements um to it in you won't know her name because that was something I used to get bullied for because that is primarily something that there are a lot more there are a lot more boys that um play it than girls and I used to get bullied for that in fourth grade because kids were like oh Beyblades are stupid or you're a girl you play Beyblades that's weird I still think if I were if I were I would have been a guy and if I would have been um like playing them they wouldn't have cared Right, right. So, so now, do you build your own top? Um. Well, there, there are all these different parts. I mean, there are thousands of different parts. There's different systems too, and you, yeah, you build like your customization of them. And a lot of parts are good for different things. And a lot of there's like a layer, a disc, and a driver, and that's the kind of formula that we're working at now. And of course, there are all these different like new customizations and stuff, and you can build them. And generally, it's pretty difficult to build a good one. Um, there's a really cool forum called worldbayblade.org and you can find a lot of customizations. You can also find tournaments there too. <laughs> and it's just this excellent community. And it's actually one of them being, I used to practice my writing, but I used to write like Beyblade stories. Oh, that's a, that's cool. I have never, I've never heard of that. Must be a California thing. Um, they're everywhere. They mainly originated in Japan, but, um, they've made their way everywhere now. <laughs> Oh yeah, and you are now free, um, free running. What is free um, running? So that is a combination of like parkour and gymnastics. So front flips, back flips, kind of jumping over things. And if you've ever seen the videos of people jumping across buildings, well, that's like what that is. But I don't, I don't go on top of buildings. I swear. <laughs> well, we, you're too talented. We can't lose you. Yeah. So we don't want you to fall off a building or anything. Because mm -hmm. my my son did parkour, and uh, he's he's a very in shape kid. And well, he's thirty year old man now. But uh, um, so I, I I get what that is. Now falconry. Um, do you have a falcon? I unfortunately don't. But um, you get to like I've been doing that since I was like seven years old, and like you can pretty much fly hawks and falcons like you um I go up to this place in Alpine and I um basically they have these hawks and you like call them to your glove and you kind of get to learn about them too and I've been asking my parents for a falcon or a hawk since I was about 11 years old the legal age to own one is 12 I'm 14 but I have um you know I have kittens so I don't know if a falcon no. and a kitten would be the best combination <laughs> And no, you know what you know what a hawk calls a kitten? 
dinner. <laughs> yep. <laughs> I was gonna say, yep, they call them dinner and uh, and stuff. So, um, so, and you've also uh, um, and and of course reading and writing and and stuff. So, um, when do you sleep? Do you do you get a good night's sleep, or are you always <laughs> doing something? I um don't. I don't let myself write past around nine o'clock. Sometimes if I'm like really, really energized, I'll write, but I won't write at least past 10. Anything I write really, really late at night, I will delete in the morning. So <laughs> because you're tired. Yeah. And yeah. And so it, you're a delightful young lady. I do have to say, Thank you. Um, I don't know how anybody could bully you, but, I, but let's, let's turn to that a little bit. And it's a, a little darker. Uh, because you as a middle schooler, uh, now, are you in ninth grade yet? Or are you going uh, eighth grade? You're in eighth grade now, ninth grade next year. Um, uh, and is it, is it a middle school? So it's six through eight. Yeah. Six through eight is, has been the hardest years I think ever for me. Um, I was bullied in elementary school, of course, cause I was the kid who played with Beyblades and I was the kid who really liked Hawks. None of that like compared at all to what I went through in middle school. And it's this problem that I think my school has a very serious problem, but and it's not like, it's not normal for middle school to be like this. It's not just middle school. It's something that happens and it's something that needs to be dealt with. Like we can't accept that, okay, kids are getting bullied because it's not okay and it's dangerous. Um, it's very dangerous, like bullying is. And I think, it happens way too much and it's too normalized or at least in my school it is and it's something that needs to change because if things stay like this like school will not like survive like kids won't do well in school like everyone's future is kind of threatened unless we fix this problem because if everyone goes through something like really horrible in middle school or at least the majority of them do like how are we going to be as adults <laughs> Exactly. Exactly. Well, I did want to make make it clear that this uh, the book that you've written. I know her name is a great book to give a middle school girl or boy that is uh, being bullied because they can see. Because when you're when you're that age, well, you know you are that age that you you feel like. Now, fortunately, you have your twin sister, but a lot of people feel like they're all alone, and this has never happened to anybody else but them. And they feel like they don't have any friends. They don't have anywhere to go. Uh, they talk to their teacher, and their teacher may not be as receptive as they, they could be. Um, they go home and talk to their parents, and, you know, that, that can not necessarily go well. And so it makes it really, really tough for somebody your age if, they, if they're out there all alone. And that book will help them. They sit down and read it. They'll realize that they're not the only one in the world that that's happening to, right? Yes, I think I know her name. Even I think parents should read it. So you, it's like, I often recommend you should buy You Won't Know Her Name and I Know Her Name is kind of a pair. I know her name can be read independently, but I think it's a lot more pow powerful if you read it after reading You Won't Know Her Name. And both these books, if like you're a kid and you're being bullied and you know, you're like mature enough to handle the book because there are some really dark topics in it, read these books and you'll see you're not alone. You know, it happens. And also one thing I really like is at the end of um, both the books, like right as soon as you finish them, there's a message that has resources on how you can get help if you're feeling down or if something happens to you. And I have, I have the suicide hotline, I have a sexual assault hotline, I have a special like teenager hotline where teenagers can go and speak to other teenagers. And at some point I'm gonna try to volunteer for that one. 
Cool. I yeah. think you'd be very, it, it would be very good for you to do that. Yeah. I think you could help a lot of kids because, you know, especially teenage girls, that they have a tough enough time just being teenage girls, let alone all the stuff that pe people throw at you. And then, and so, you know, suicide is, is a big problem for, for kids of, of that age. And, and that's, it, you can help them. And that's, that's what's really cool about the, about what you're doing. I'm glad that you're taking it as seriously as you are. Yeah. I have to like, I like refuse to not take it seriously. I've also, I refuse to sit down and watch it happen. This is going on at my school still. And they tell me, okay, it didn't, it's not happened to you anymore, right? It's not your concern, but it is because I'm seeing it happen because and people now at my school come and tell me like, this happened to me. So-and-so did this to me. And it is often the same person. And I will go to my school and they will tell me, well, no one else has come forward. So we can't do anything or, well, they didn't come forward themselves. So we're not going to do anything. And there is significant evidence. There are screenshotted conversations from people. There are things to show that this is a problem, that this is going on. And it's not even, you know, it's not even one person. There are, in when I was in sixth grade at my school, there were seventh grader, the seventh grade boys doing things to the sixth and seventh grade girls. And my school did not do anything about them. You're kidding. And I've like, I saw it happen. I ran away. But it is something that happens. My school doesn't take it seriously because, you know, they're just kids. Oh, my gosh, it's just middle school. You know, it's normal, but it's not. Nor should it be accepted. Yes. Everybody has a right to their own body. Everybody has a right to their own space. They need to be left alone. And, uh, and teachers should be sensitive to that and, and principals and stuff that, that there's a whole world of stuff that can go on. And, and seventh grade boys are still, you know, and they're bigger and they're stronger and they, and they can cause trouble for, for um, a girl at that point. And they think they're pretty cool. Yeah. And they're, they're not. <laughs> <laughs> they're not doggone it. And you, you are absolutely right. I, I applaud you for doing that and, and, and to keep it up. You are a, a, a an unbelievably talented and lovely young lady. And, and uh, I'm in, more enchanted with you each time we talk. <laughs> Thank uh, you. You're you're really cool, and uh, you're going to have a wonderful, powerful life as a writer, and uh, you're going to influence a lot of kids and a lot of adults uh, to do something different than what they've done in the past. Yeah, that's yep. That's pretty much my hopes and dreams. Like, <laughs> I want to, you know, I want to change the world. I really, I want to help people with my books and my writing. And I want to go and speak at schools about bullying and I want to change the world. When you're on Oprah, would you please invite me to carry your suitcase or something? Of course. Yeah. Because <laughs> you're, you're going to be at, at, at your age, you're, you're just going to be phenomenal. And we well, are phenomenal now. Thank you. Um, and, and uh, I just appreciate. So are you being left alone this year as far as bullying? Um, Somewhat, there are little things that happened, you know, that happened like at recess and at lunch and that are bothering with this person. And I'm not gonna sit down and be quiet about it. And I'm not going to let this kind of be brushed under the rug. And, you know, there's a chance I'm not gonna go to the same school. Actually, there's a pretty high chance I'm not going to the same school for high school. And even after I leave, I'm not letting this be something that goes on. I am going to find ways to help, not just my school, but every school that has a problem. Because 
I've experienced it and I know firsthand it can't keep happening to people. No, because it's, it, it's, it's terribly debilitating to those, to the people that it's happening to just a word of warning. And I don't know whether it'll happen in your case. It did happen in mine is that, uh, there's kind of a hierarchy of how it goes when you're in sixth grade, you're the, in the bottom rung, seventh grade, you're the middle rung. And then when you're in eighth grade, you're the top. And then you're, 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 then you go to ninth grade and you're the bottom all over again. Yeah, and, definitely. In my school, it is the eighth graders and the seventh graders are kind of above the sixth graders. And of course, with the um, with my school, that was a problem. There were a lot of seventh graders bullying sixth graders, um, and especially with my school. But also, I think there are a lot of problems within the grades too. And then those problems within the grades will translate to other grades. And then um, now that all the people you know that were originally in sixth grade or in eighth grade and now they're going and hurting younger kids and it's kind of like a cycle almost it must be i i can't imagine what it's like to be a 14 year old person in this day and age it's it's tough isn't it oh yeah it's definitely it's like there are a lot of good things about you know being a teenager but for a lot of it it's really hard and it shouldn't be this hard it shouldn't be this stressful but it is and I think society is more okay with that than we should be. And why do you think that is? I think after a while, you know, like things keep happening and, you know, it gets to the point where everyone's used to, oh, middle school is so horrible. Yeah. You know, people are so mean in middle school. Oh my gosh, I hated high school and middle school. But you shouldn't, you shouldn't have to do that. And often you're hating it because of another person, because of a bully or a teacher that's not being fair to you. And that shouldn't be the reality. And we shouldn't accept that. We shouldn't be like, oh, yeah, that happens. What can we do to fix it? There are a million things we can do to fix it. And you are somebody that is, and I love the fact that you're not shy about letting people know that uh, and, and also defending other kids that are getting bullied. Yeah, I will continue to defend them and I will continue to try to make a change until something actually happens, which things are happening. My school is implementing an anti-bullying program because of me, I think. Awesome. And I will I was asked to be on the committee for that. And that's you know a big way I can help. But also I think it goes beyond that. I think one school can be fixed, but that doesn't fix the problem as a whole because it's bigger than I think a lot of people realize. Well, and you can affect a lot of change with the writing that you do. And yeah. that, that is really that is really important that you continue to do that work and continue as you as you go through the growing up years and and, and get into high school and then the, then the, of course the boy thing r r shows up and and stuff and the, or I got to ask you, do you have a boyfriend? You don't have time for a boyfriend, do you? Yeah, no. <laughs> no. Well, we won't go there uh, because you know you you've got so much to do, and uh, and you you are just awesome. So your website again is uh, shantihershenson.com, and so that is s h a n t i h e r s h e n s o n dot com, and you can find all of my books, all of my interviews, everything on that website. Um, it's actually the best website I've ever created. I haven't like done anything like that cool sins and i know her name will be on the website i haven't had time to put it up there but you can also look on amazon if you look up shanti hershenson all of my books are on amazon 
Um, you can buy them. You can also find um, the hardcovers for You Won't Know Her Name and The Axel Insurgent on barnesandnoble.com. And uh, check your independent bookstore's website, your local independent bookstore, especially their website. And you can find all of my books on a lot of those. So look anywhere you buy books and there's a chance they'll have one of my books there. Well, that's because you've written so many. Yeah. And I know a lot of them are starting to show up in places. I've had people tell me that my books are in their school libraries now, especially you won't know her name. And I think that's actually, that's probably the most incredible thing. Cause if you won't know her name can get to schools, then that will hopefully help them a little and make them understand like it's a problem. Oh, I, th I think that that is a great uh, way for them to you, you, what you what you should do is uh, is uh, write a letter to every school district in the country and say this 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 book needs to be in your library for kids because uh, I've um, thought about I'm going to definitely start doing school visits and I'm going to start communicating with schools and you won't know her name will of course be a big vocal point for it because that's you Own Her Name is the most important book I've ever written. Sure, my other books, you know, they're cool, but they are not as important as You Own Her Name. And they're not as, like, powerful. And they're not, like, actually, they're not nearly as successful. You Own Her Name is the most successful book I've had. Do you have any idea how many copies it sold? Um, So for the Kindle discounted sales, I'm trying to think. I know how many books I've sold, like, in total. At this point, it's probably over half the books I've ever sold are copies of are have been you on her name. And I think a good majority of it's either over half of them are you on her name. And Zile too is insanely successful. So that one's kind of close. But I think both those two books are half of the books I've ever sold. And all that other half is every other one of my books. So park park it for uh, uh, ballpark it for me. How how many uh, books have you sold total? Any idea? I counted a few months ago, so this is old now, and it was about 7,000. I think a lot of them, you know, I don't count a lot of them because a lot of them are discounted books. So, you know, they were cheaper to buy or sometimes they were even free on Kindle. And those are the majority of my sales. And you want her name, at least the last big sale I did sold about 1,500 copies. The other books sold up, I think both Biomlock and Zyle, which are the other two books on sale, sold only like 1,000. So you're going to have a great big bank account one of these days, you know. That. I hope, yeah. <laughs> um, I was talking with, well, just so you know, I was talking with somebody, and a publisher, and I said, is it is it true, statistically speaking, that an author with a, who publishes a book, generally speaking, can expect about 200 copies to be sold? And she said, yep, that's, that's, that's it. It takes a lot of effort and a lot of work. You've got to do a lot of stuff on your own and you got a marketing and stuff and it, it helps you. You're writing on great topics and, and your writing skills are just amazing. Um, and Thank you're, you. you're, you're awesome. So what I'd like to do now, I got about, um, I'm guessing about a minute and a half left in the show is I want to give you the forum to be able to say anything you want to, to the kids that are out there, the middle school kids, the high school kids, Anything that you'd want them to know? Um, don't think that you're alone. I know we talked about this earlier, but don't think that you're alone and don't think that like, this is like, that like everything is bad. And don't think that it's not going to get better because I sure thought in sixth grade that like everything was horrible and that middle school was awful and things have gotten better. I mean, I got all these books now, so. You are just awesome. We've been talking with Shanti Hershenson. And she's a great author. Go to www.shantyhershenson.com.
com. Find out all about her. That website's killer. You did a great job, kid. Thank you. I got to follow you, and we're going to do this again, okay? Okay. Okay, next time you have a published book, uh, I'm, I'm your man. You come talk to me. All right, thank you. Thank you very much, and I want to thank everybody for listening to Positive Talk Radio today. This has been an awesome show. Great guest. Take care, everybody, and have a great Christmas. <laughs>